0: You're listening to the Sunday Messages podcast brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. July 2nd. All right. July 4th is a couple of days from now. We are halfway through 2023. I don't know if that wakes anybody up, but that's pretty crazy to me. And July 4th is a cool holiday. This idea that we live this reality, that we live in a country Where we get to worship freely, we get to experience freedoms that a lot of other places don't get because of the sacrifice so many have made, and uh, this, this celebration of independence is something worth spending a little time on on July 4th, so I hope you get a chance to do that. If you are back in the area here in Wimberley, come experience small town, nostalgic, old school July 4th parade, really cool chance to get out there and see people in the community and hang out. Uh, so thank you, Jesus, that we live in the United States of America. Thank you for the freedoms that we get to experience and celebrate that every chance that you get. Thanks for being here on a holiday weekend and showing up. My name is Sean. Uh, man, I'm on staff here. I get to help out part-time, and Jose is off in Uganda, so I get to be with you guys this morning. And I love this idea of talking about parables. I love stories. I love telling stories. I love listening to stories. I love that Jesus taught in parables, and I think it's important and fun to unpack those, and that's what we've been doing as we go through the summer. The one we're going to talk about today is going to give us some insight into this thing that Pastor Rob, who started, founded the church, and then Hosea has carried on that you hear frequently if you've been here before at the start of a sermon where they say, hey, we're a group of imperfect people being loved by and serving the only perfect Savior, the only perfect God, and uh, that's us. Well, It's fun to focus on the perfect God part, but we also sometimes need to think about the imperfect us part, and that's what we're going to do with the parable today. The reality is we all have stuff. We all have issues. Okay, it just, it is. We live on earth, so we're going to have some issues. So just to help out, if you came with somebody, I want you to turn to them and just say, hey, you have issues. Go ahead. Just tell them, turn to them, say, you have issues. All right. All right. That's good, that's, that's good. I know, I know, this was your chance right there, yeah. All right, all right, that's good, okay, okay, yeah. Max started defining Robin's issues, that's not what we're doing, we're just in general, you have it. we're not trying to outlay them all out right now, okay. You just, we have issues, we do. We live in this crazy fallen world and we have issues. You may have personal stuff going on, personal issues, things like anxiety or depression or grief or loss or the reality that the stressors of life are just beating you up right now. It could be uh, not just personal. Maybe you got relational issues, something in in your marriage or in your dating or or something in your parenting or somebody that you're in relationship with that's, that's struggling or hard. Maybe you have performance issues, like in the idea of we're not getting the work done that we want or accomplishing the things that we want through uh, you know using our gifting and, and work is really stressful or beating us up right now somewhere in some area of your life. My guess is you probably have issues because that's just how life works as humans. We are imperfect, which is a broad word and a safe word, but the reality is we could get really more specific on how flawed we are and how we fall short. The good news is, man, that's why Jesus came. He actually said in Mark, you know, that it's not the healthy that that need doctor. You know, Jesus said that I came not for the healthy, but for the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's the good news, you guys, is that Jesus came for us, those of us with issues. And uh, he wants to be a part of the healing in our life. And that's why he uses these stories, right? Because these stories, we find ourselves in the story and there's application in the story for how we can make our life look different. That's my hope for today, that you walk out of here hearing something in this story that you can apply in your life. The other good thing about parables or stories is that there's usually multiple truths embedded in a story and multiple applications from those truths. You got stories in your family, right? We have a list of stories that I love from our family, and we get different truths from those. I got two over there that decided they wanted to climb a water tower one time, and it's a fun story in our family. They went up to the water tower. They climbed up to the top and uh, it was peaceful and it was great. And I guess they felt closer to the Lord up there, probably something super spiritual. And uh, until the silence was interrupted by the sound of the sirens and the cop cars surrounding the water tower. And they, they thought, you know what we ought to do? We ought to just lay flat here and try to wait them out. Well, it turns out that the policemen in the air-conditioned car had more time to wait than they did up on the top of that tower. So they ended up having to come down. They got arrested and taken to jail and uh, served their time in jail, and then they got out and called us and told us what had happened the next day, and uh, so we laughed about it, forgave them, and uh, man, we can, get a lot of, we can get a lot of truth out of that one story, right? I mean, there's, there's consequences to your actions, fun night in jail. Uh, man, there's forgiveness in, in the mistakes that we make or the things that we do, Sometimes we tell a story just to talk about adventure and how important adventure is to our family, but multiple truths, multiple applications from the same story. Well, it's the same way in the parables that Jesus teaches us. There's multiple truths and multiple applications. The first, uh, we'll look at all three of the applications from this story, but it's in Luke uh, chapter 13, and it's verses six through eight. So it's a short little parable, but it's worth reading through word for word, and then we'll unpack it. you get the gist of the story, there's a guy who owns a vineyard, he's really ready to get some fruit all off of this tree, he goes to it for the third year in a row, it's not producing, he's tired of it, cut it down, let's get rid of this thing, let's plant something new, not waste my soil anymore, and somebody intervenes, the caretaker and says, no wait, let's give me another year, I'll dig around, and then I'm gonna fertilize it. There's some ingredients in this story, that's three ingredients that any issue or any problem you're facing are gonna need if you wanna get around it. If you've got something significant going on in your life that needs help or intervention, these three ingredients are critical. Time, it's gonna need another year, is what the caretaker said. Truth, we're gonna have to dig around and expose some things. And grace, I'm gonna give you something you don't deserve from the outside, fertilize it. We'll unpack that further, but the reality is, like I said, multiple truths from that one passage three simple kind of things to draw from this. The first is that this was kind of written to the nation of Israel and God was saying, Hey, in the old, I've just pursued you so many times. Three years is not even a start to how much time God spent pursuing the nation of Israel. And yet they kept turning away from him. They weren't producing fruit. They weren't being righteous. They weren't living according to his laws and his commands. And so It's like part of him is just ready to get rid of this. I'm done with this. But yet there's another part of God, this patient part of God that says, you know what? I'm going to give you more time. So there's application there for the nation of Israel. You can draw some application to the United States if you want from there. It is different. I will tell you that God's promises to the nation of Israel are not the same as his promises to the nation of Israel. Of America, That was a specific group of people that he had set apart. Now, the beauty of it is he does bless the United States. I believe that. I believe he cares about us as a whole. But even more importantly, he cares about us as individuals. And that's the second application to that parable, right? Is that we, so many of us, have just ran from him for so long in our lives. And he's like, hey, I'll keep chasing you. But you know what? I'm getting tired of that. Maybe that's what... Maybe that's what's going on in your life. You feel like God's, you're tired of running and he's tired of chasing you and in steps the advocate. All of a sudden, Jesus says, wait, don't give up on that person. Give me more time to pursue. There's application there in our personal salvation. I pray that if you've been running from God and he's been pursuing you and Jesus has been advocating for you, maybe this is your day where you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna stop running and I'm gonna turn to Jesus for healing and help and salvation. And there's a lot of us in the room that the third application applies. And that is the idea that we, we maybe know God as our Savior. We know Jesus and we know what he's done in our life. And we just took communion to celebrate that. But the reality is there's more. Like we still have issues even with that going on. And as a church, man, we've fallen short a lot of times in how we address issues in people's lives. I mean, there was a period in the church where The idea was if you have an issue, something going on relationally, something going on, depression, anxiety, you must have some sin in your life that's causing that. There has to be sin that's causing that problem in your life. It's possible that that is the case, but that is not always the case. The reality is even Jesus, who had no sin whatsoever, had issues in life. He had people betray him. He had groups of folks frustrate him to the point of anger. And he ultimately suffered because of the people around him and the decisions that they made. Issues don't always relate to sin. As a matter of fact, one time his disciples even asked him, hey, that guy's got a bunch of issues. Who sinned in his life to cause those issues? And, the and then Jesus said, nobody sinned in his life. You keep missing the point. So just getting rid of all the sin is not going to remove issues from your life. You're still going to need these three ingredients we're going to unpack in a second. Another thing the church has done traditionally with people who have issues, maybe mental health things or relational things going on. is we've said, you just need to memorize more scripture. You just need more truth in your life. If you just knew enough scripture, you would be perfectly fine and healthy. And the reality is scripture is good and you want to hide the word in your heart. But I've known some people who knew an awful lot about Jesus and an awful lot about his word that still had issues. Matter of fact, that whole Old Testament back there, all of those people were chasing after God's commands for their life. And yet they still had many, many issues. You're not going to memorize enough scripture to make yourself issue free in your life. And then the third thing that the church has kind of traditionally done to try to help with people with issues is we've said, you don't. You just need a miraculous healing, a once and for all deliverance, miraculous healing, and it's done. And the good news is, in some cases, that does work. That does happen. God intervenes that way for some people, but not always. And it's really disappointing for the people who that doesn't work for if you believe that's the only path to healing. The reality is our issues, there's another path. Our our church here, we believe in deliverance. We do. We believe in healing. We believe in intercession and prayer ministry. We also believe that sometimes in God's sovereignty, he wants us to work out our issues over time. He says that in the garden to his son. Jesus is there and he's praying to God, his father, right at the end of his time on earth. And he says, Lord, deliver me from this. If it's at all possible, deliver me. But if not, I will trust you and I will follow. Your will be done. That's what we want to do as a church as we show up in the lives of people who are hurting. We all have issues. How are we going to get through those? See, this process of getting through those issues is what kind of used to the church referred to in this fancy word called sanctification, right? It's this this working out of your faith that's coming close to the Lord and being drawn to him and being as close to God as you can and living out, employing his word in your life and doing his works in your life so that you can be set apart. That's what sanctification is. And that's what this process we're talking about now is how do we deal with these issues and how do we become sanctified? I heard Jenny Allen say this week, I always quote guys, and so for my wife, I quoted Jenny Allen this week. Here we go. Not only does God draw you to himself to know him, but he also changes your life as you go. Walking with him is how it happens. When you are broken, mad, sad, happy, then you go to him. As you go to him, the more he gives you insight, vision, hope, joy, friends, community, healing, and health. This is the process of sanctification, the walking it out. That's what the parable does. It helps us to understand how to do that. So I'll get him to pop that parable back up on the screen again. Luke chapter 13. And let's just unpack it for a couple of minutes. The first thing it says is a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard and he went to look for fruit on it, but he did not find any. First thing is there's an expectation of fruit. Right? It's like he went to look because he was hoping there would be some there. That's what we want in our life, right? We want we want to get healthy. We want, we want there to be fruit in our life. We want to be able to minister and bless the people around us. We want our marriages to be successful. We want our kids to be productive and obedient. We want all of that. We're expecting that, but the problem is, he said, when he got there, he didn't find it. For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. There's this period of bad time where stuff isn't happening. Good things aren't happening. Maybe you've got an issue in your life that you've been working on. Maybe there's an addiction to alcohol or pornography or social media that you've been trying to do something about in your own willpower. You're like, I'm going to quit that. I'm not going to do that. And you go a day or you go a week or you go a month in willpower and then it just sucks you right back in. You've got that period of trying and expecting things to change with your issue and they have not and that's discouraging. Man, that's discouraging when you get to that point. And the thing that follows that period of no, you know, met expectations and discouragement is then judgment. That's the next thing. The, the guy that owns the vineyard, he is like, cut it down. That's judgment. And that's what happens in our life. We start judging ourselves. We start being judged from the outside. And then it just becomes even harder. Not only does he say cut it down, but for some reason, he throws in this little bit of extra. Why should it use up the soil? It's like, man, it's already down. Now you're just kicking it, you know? It's like you're in this argument, you know? It's like, I can't stand you. I don't want to be around you anymore. You're not even worth the air that you're breathing right now. You know, it's just, okay, quit kicking them. We get it. You're judging them. Got it. Cut it down. Judgment. There's two responses that we can have to being stuck and being judged. Two choices, and it's a major fork in the road. The first path is we can become hard-hearted and we can become stubborn. It says in Romans 2, 5, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. We can make that choice. We can be like, this is yeah, this is my issue, but you know what? That person's got doing stuff way worse than me so I'm going to stick with it. Or you know what? I've tried to kick this and I can't. This is like, I'm like Paul. This is the thorn in my flesh that I can't get rid of. And I'm just going to live with, you know, whatever we use to justify this hardened heart and this stubbornness that says, I'm not going to change. You can walk that path. If you choose your issue will not go away. And your just acceptance of your issue and unwillingness to change will ultimately lead to more death. In your life and in the people around you. There's another option and there's another path, though. And it's something the Bible calls godly sorrow. In uh, Corinthians, it says this, 2 Corinthians, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Worldly sorrow is us feeling pity, shame, sorry for ourselves, wallering around in it. Well, I'm just terrible, I'm a loser, I'm no good, nobody wants to be with me, I have no willpower, I'm just stuck in this, this is who I am, I'm just gonna live with it. Life stinks, oh well, that leads to death. Godly sorrow is a broken repentance. Says, I can't do this on my own and I want my life to look different. I surrender myself, Lord, to you. So if you want healing, for your issue, the first thing you've got to decide is which of these paths do you want to walk out and be honest with yourself. Which have you been walking out? Has it been the repentant, broken, godly sorrow? Or has it been the, I pity myself, worldly sorrow, harden my heart and become stubborn? So you make the choice. Let's say you make the godly choice, the godly sorrow path choice. Then, then you got to start being honest with yourself. You know, it says that we're supposed to confess our sins and own those, because we all have them. We just all, well, we didn't actually admit to having issues, but we admitted to coming with somebody who has issues um, <laughs> earlier. But let's just assume that they're right when they said to us, we have issues. If we have issues, we need to be okay with admitting it, right? And that's what it says in this verse in Romans. It says that, I think it's Romans. I'll wait for them to pop it up there. Yep, nope, nope, you had it, John. Keep going. I was wrong. It wasn't Romans. It was John. There he is. First John. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So that's what the godly sorrow. We're repenting. We're with sin. We have it. Now we get to put these three ingredients in place. The first of the three ingredients is time. 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 If you want to heal an issue, if you want to change something in your life, it is going to take some time. It doesn't matter. I I talked about addictions and big things. I can tell you it can be anything in your life. Give you a, a, a silly example, smaller example. I mean, don't say silly, smaller example. Our son Cody's got a hurt arm right now, hurt shoulder. He's been trying to battle back. He wants to throw the ball, football, he wants to play quarterback. But his motion's gotten bad, his technique has gotten bad, and it's taken a lot of time. And I don't know how you do with time, but teenagers don't tend to do very well with time and healing. Looking at my buddy Hayes over there having to heal an injury. Time's hard, right? The the time that you have to wait, that you have to sit. We're not good at that, are we? I mean, let's be honest. If, If you are super good and patient, let's say you're over here. And, and if you're maybe a little more instant gratification, impatient, in, you're o- over here. So when I say one, two, three, shoot, when I say shoot, just point to where you fall. Are you really good with time and God's timing and waiting? Or are you a little more impatient, instant gratification? All right. One, two, three, shoot. Point to where you are on that. Continue. All right. We've got a little bit of everybody in here, right? One of the things that you notice over time, it doesn't always have to happen, but If you spend your time around mature believers who have been Christians for a long time, who have walked closely with the Lord, they kind of tend to understand time a little better. They become a little more patient because God's timing, you guys, is just different than ours. It's not what we want. It says here in 2 Peter, forget this one. They don't forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. Well, it feels like that sometimes. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. It does feel like he's slow. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. His timing looks very different than we want it to a lot of times. That's why there's scripture in there like Isaiah 40, 31, where it says they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Maybe your issue is you're out of strength. Well, the frustrating thing probably is that the formula says that to get that back, you need to wait on the Lord. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary they will walk and not grow faint something along those lines this is ability if we wait we're not very good at waiting but man that is exactly what the caretaker of the vineyard said he said wait don't cut it down give me a year psalm 46:10 says be still and know that i am god that's a simple formula number of words, but it's really complex to apply in our lives. Are you willing to be still and wait? Time is important. Now you'll hear people say this silly little phrase like time heals all wounds. That is not true. It doesn't. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Time by itself does not heal all wounds. Untended wounds tend to get worse over time, but time is a piece of the puzzle. So what do we do during that time? Well, the the caretaker said, you know what I'm gonna do? I need to dig around. I need to expose the roots. I need to find out what's really going on that's keeping this tree from producing. That's a painful part of a process of change and healing, right? The digging around part, that's truth. That's the second ingredient. Sometimes we've gotta be willing to do the deep digging to be exposed to truth. In our life, what is it that's causing me to behave the way I am? What's causing this addiction in my life? What's causing my impatience? What is it that makes me keep having the same conflict over and over with my wife? Why am I not showing up as the dad I want? What's the truth? Somebody help reveal the truth. Dig around in here. And there are some bad counselors out there, you guys, who will let you come to them and never dig around to get to the root of what's going on. The why. Why? I, I get this is what I'm doing, but why? Help me get to the root. That's what that caretaker said. I'm not just going to throw more water at it. I'm going to dig around and figure out what's going on. We need truth in our lives. John 8:32 is a cool verse, a lot of us, like it says, "You will know the truth and the truth will set you free." That is awesome. But that actually only happens in the context of the verse before it, where it says, "To the Jews, who had believed him, meaning us now, to us, who are believing him, Jesus said, "If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." It's not just a matter of this miraculous truth setting us free. It's us knowing the truth, applying in our lives, walking it out, then we will experience freedom from those issues. That's a process that takes time. So we need time and we need truth, and we need a third ingredient. And that third ingredient is grace. See, in the parable, it says, not only am I going to dig around, then I'm going to fertilize it. Fertilize it means I'm going to give it something from the outside that it doesn't deserve and can't produce on its own. Grace is something from the outside you don't deserve. You can't produce on your own. We need grace in the healing process. We need people to come alongside us and say, hey, I know this isn't who you are made to be. I know it's not who you want to be. I love you and I'll walk beside you in this. I forgive you, I'll show you mercy, I will care. That's what God does in our life. And we need his grace as part of the healing process. Truth alone in the absence of grace will not bring healing. It will beat people up. Grace alone in the absence of truth will not bring healing. It'll be really, it may feel good for a little bit, but it's not gonna produce change. It's the combination of those things over time. That psalm says, be gracious to me, Lord, for I am frail. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are horrified. I don't even know what that means, honestly, but that's a bad issue. If your bones get horrified, you're in bad shape. You're going to need some grace. The reality is we all need a little bit of grace, all right? Here's the cool thing. It's my soapbox. I got a couple minutes, so I'm going to jump on top of it for just a minute. This idea of grace and truth is so important in our lives And it's so important in the gospel that in the very first chapter of John, Jesus is described as grace and truth twice. First in verse 14 and then in verse 17. In verse uh, 14, it actually says this. The word became flesh. You know that's referring to Jesus and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. That's Jesus again. The glory of the one and only son, Jesus, who came from the father. That was Jesus, full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And that was so important to the writer, so important for us to know as the reader that he said it again three verses later. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Because Jesus was love and Jesus was grace and truth, which means love is grace and truth. You cannot have Love if you only have grace. That's unconditional acceptance and it is incredibly dangerous. It is. I could point out example after example in our culture of what unconditional acceptance has done. And the reality is the culture out there will try to tell you if you're a Christian and you love, you must unconditionally accept. And that's why I'm standing on this soapbox because I want you to be able to say, you know what? I I do, I do want to show grace, but I also know there's truth. Now here's the problem, if you only do truth without grace, now we're just extremely judgmental and we're gonna scare people off, we're gonna run people off, we're gonna hurt people. Love is both of those two interacting together over time. Grace and truth over time. So if we had a big pie chart, everybody know what a pie chart is? Big circle and you can divide it up into slices, right? So if we were dividing that pie chart up, round chart, and you have slices of pie for time, for grace, and for truth. In any given situation, you may need more of one of those slices than the other. There are times when I just really need grace. There are other times when I really need truth. And there are other times when I just need time. It's the same for you in the issue that you're in. So as you think about that issue, or whatever those issues are in your life, You may want to walk away going, all right, which one of these things am I neglecting? Am I not giving it enough time? Am I not showing myself enough grace? Am I not applying enough truth? Which one of those things do I need more of a measure of? Because it's the combination of those ingredients that brings healing. Um, Will you pop that next slide up there for me? So here's the thing, you guys. It's hard to do this by yourself. I mean, that fig tree, it wasn't going to produce fruit the next year on its own, was it? It needed the intervention of that advocate, of that caretaker. It's the same way with you. Can can God do that in your life? Absolutely. Is he willing to do that? Absolutely. Does sometimes you need Jesus with skin on to walk something out with you? Absolutely. Find somebody. Find a trusted counselor. I love that Proverb 25. Purposes of a man's, a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Find somebody that's willing to go into the deep, dig down to the root, go into the deep water and draw out what needs to be drawn out. You may need somebody like that in your life, a mentor, a coach, a counselor, trusted, mature friend. And then the second thing that you could do, you may not need just one. Maybe you need a group of people. And that's what our community groups do, right? That's what a good group of loving people do in your life. They surround you like Ephesians talks about, in that chapter of Ephesians verse four, it talks about the body being many parts, a couple of different times. And it's basically saying for him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting limit grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You need to surround yourself with people who are gonna build you up and grow you up. That's what our community groups try to do. They try to create this safe, supportive environment. I think there's really five elements that happen in a good community group. So if you're thinking about joining one, I hope this is what you will find when you go kick the tires. And if you are in one, I pray this is what you're experiencing. These five elements on the screen. Number one is just presence over time. We just need people to walk stuff out with us, just to sit there with us, to pray with us, to give us perspective. That's what managing time does. It gives you perspective. The second thing is we need people to listen, to try to understand us, to hear us out, to help us understand what's going on in those deeper levels. We need compassion and encouragement. We need somebody to cry with us, to weep with us, rejoice with us, encourage us, feel with us. That's part of what a good group does. And then that next one is important. We need to walk out truth together. We need to be willing to hear God's word and, and apply it in our lives and then walk it out together. And then finally, we just need people to pray with us. that are there here in our hearts. That's what a great group experience does. Um, I love, I love that, uh, I love that we're celebrating independence day in our country and I love that we are free and I love that we are independent and you guys, we have taken that in, not only that, that, you know, overall for our country, we've brought that into our collective unconscious and we brought that into our lives and we love independence and we love freedom and that's great as a nation and that's great as a citizen of America, but you were born for dependence dependence on a savior dependence on a God who wants to bring healing in your life. Don't try to do this life by yourself. Allow Jesus in find trusted, mature people to surround yourself with and be a part of a group that builds others up. Don't let the enemy isolate you because that advocate that came for our salvation comes for our sanctification. He wants to see you walk out healing and health in your life. He wants to apply time and grace and truth in the appropriate measures in the appropriate moments so that your life can look different. You're worth it. You are that valuable. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Um, It's a privilege to stand here and look at a group of people who are attentively pursuing you and your word in their life. Lord, it's humbling. You see them. You see everyone here and you want great things for them. You don't promise easy. You don't promise a cakewalk. You don't promise an issue-free life, Lord. And you said the opposite. You said it was gonna be hard and we would find difficulty. But you promised your presence, Lord. You sent an advocate, a caretaker. You sent somebody who stepped in and said, no, we're not cutting this down. We're not throwing these people out. Jesus said, I am for them. I am with them. Lord, we want to experience the fullness of Jesus, his healing in our lives. We want to pursue him wholeheartedly. We will patiently allow your time in our lives as long as grace and truth are being applied in equal measure, appropriate measure. So Lord, help us to submit ourselves to you and take those three elements and be ambassadors for you in the hurting lives of the people around us. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.